so I've been um, amusing myself the past uh, few days or so. Don't get too graphic, please. Keep that to yeah, yourself. don't get too graphic. Keep that to <laughs> Immediately, both our instincts were yeah, right that in. Um, with the thought of um, Bob Dylan having a uh, a conversation with his son Jacob Dylan, like, what do you think that sounds like? Do you know Jacob Dylan, right, Tanya? Yeah, it's the, to the tune of Wallflowers. That's how yeah, they communicate. Like, is that me and Cinderella in the middle? With one headlight. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. Say that dance. <laughs> he, he just got picked on at school today, son. He's like, yeah, dad. <laughs> I like how Jacob Dylan talks exactly like his father. He does. He talks exactly like him. I swear, really? <laughs> it's not my marijuana, Dad. Well, I found it in your dresser, Jacob. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, could you imagine them having a... Could you imagine Bob Dylan telling his son Jacob Dylan about the birds and the bees? Like, <laughs> like how does it feel? Dad, Dad how are babies made? Well, son... <laughs> I thought dads just showed their sons porn and gave them condoms. That's just what you want to believe. We actually have nuanced discussions about consent and other things. I wish. That's not what boys tell me when they come to my sex ed class. I don't know what kind of sex ed they're getting at home, but I got the best sex ed. At church. Yeah. From a magic man. (laughs) Yeah. A man that could wad up a ketchup bottle and throw it in the trash. This dick. <laughs> this dick. Now you see it, now you don't. That's sex. It's a disappearing act. Wow. Oh my God. What are you using to... <laughs> <How does> he... <laughs> What's that noise? Hey. What noise? It's dead. I want this car. It's got one headlight. <laughs> <laughs> That's the <laughs> That's when it came to him. He wanted when he wanted his first car. <laughs> well, son, we can afford a little bit better than that. He's like, no, that's what I want. Son, I've sold billions of records. <laughs> <laughs> we can get you one with two headlights. <laughs> this is the stupidest fucking bit I think I've ever. <laughs> I'm trying to do something with how does it feel? <laughs> How how does it feel to be of drinking age? <laughs> I it feels pretty good, Dad. Me and my friends drank a lot of snap snaps last night. <laughs> oh my god! Stop. Our schnapps, Pepp- peppermint schnapps, and uh, sangria wine. <laughs> MD 2020. <laughs> oh, dude. I'm sorry. Tiny doesn't find this amusing at all. And Tom's destroyed. <laughs> I knew Tom would appreciate this one. I really... Oh. <laughs> I had it cooking in the oven 
for the past 24 hours is like Tom's gonna like <laughs> for Tom <laughs> specifically oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs> okay alright uh, well welcome to the show this week we are broadcasting on May the 13th 2020 how how are you doing? Is that what friends? today is? <laughs> yes. Oh wow. Yes, it is. Fuck. It's today. Thirteenth. Oh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> Damn. Is it twenty twenty? Is this thing on? Fuck. Yeah. Um. Uh, no. How how's it going out in your parts of the world, eh? It's ooh, about the same. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I am. Getting, I this is gonna sound really basic, but I am basic ultimately. I mean, I'm making bread like everybody else, but I'm also getting really into composting. Mm. Composting is a lot of fun, and um, not just that, I spent probably four hours yesterday digging holes around my house looking for earthworms. Are you joking? Put, no, I'm not. To, to put, put in the compost, to put in my various. Uh, pee hole to put hole? into my pee hole. Various I have, an, I have every orifice of my body currently stuffed full of earthworms. <laughs> I have a buddy, my buddy Nick, peed in a river in Ecuador one time and got that spiny fish that goes up in your urethra and then like spreads its tentacles I out. Absolutely not. He did not. He absolutely <laughs> did not. Yeah, he did. I swear he did. What it, so it goes up in there and. And just grabs onto the walls of their urethra and just yeah. doesn't... Wow. Sort of like a six-year-old going down a slide on the playground, just putting legs and arms out. Oh, my God. Right, exactly. <laughs> Except those legs and arms are like razor blades, <laughs> apparently. Fascinating. Oh I want God. this. Uh, can I have this? Well, all you got to do is go pee in a river in Ecuador. <laughs> That's a certain fish that li- or some something that lives there in the river. I mean, it's maybe the only pee hole problem you don't have, Terrence. <laughs> I well at this point I want as many behold problems as possible. Why like not? you gotta lean yeah, you have to lean into it. It's like if you have brain cancer, you might as well just fucking if you got lung cancer you might as well smoke a fucking carton of cigs. Is that how you feel? If you got lung cancer you just keep smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, a little you don't, light. You don't want to treat your already existing conditions. You want more conditions to go ahead. And <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that more conditions take your mind off of the conditions you already have. So bring mm. them on. Like, if you just if you exponentially increase the magnitude of your conditions over time, the current conditions you have will become diminished in your mind. So, like. Five years ago, I was really freaked out about heartburn, um, but now that's like in the rearview mirror. I still have it, just as bad as I did five years ago. But you don't but it care. Doesn't, but I don't care as much as I. <laughs> you know that's a good point. That is a good point. It's like if you have something mildly nagging and wrong with you, just go get something more serious. To take your mind off that. Thing. That's that's my philosophy. Yeah. Maybe that's why I've been watching horror movies scary shows yeah no yeah you lean into it well it sort of diminish the horror of life around you yeah like if i'm gonna have bad dreams i'm ra- i'd rather they just be about crazy stuff crazier than what's really happening 
Yeah. Well, I um the earthworms. So uh, the reason I've been trying to putting find them in your orifices and putting them in my orifices um, is because I have a garden. I'm start. I'm starting a garden now, and um, they're good for soil, obviously. But I've been putting them in the pots, you know, because I'm growing stuff in containers, but also in the ground. And so in the containers, they're good because they poop out. Their poop has a lot of nitrogen in it, which is really good for plants. Plants really like nitrogen. It aerates the soil. So um, I could just order a big bag of earthworm poop online, but I'm doing it DIY with what I have around me. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's pretty ingenious. Hootman has a compost maker out here in the yard. It's like a compost machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a little compost bin. Yeah. It's like it does whatever it's supposed to do. Well, I don't know. It makes hummus. Not the stuff that you buy at the store, but... <laughs> the dark, rich, nutrient-rich stuff that you put in your garden. Yeah. And that is what um, we were using, the hand tiller I gave you. We were using I it in see. the compost bin. I see. I see. I've I've got an update on the pee hole fish, if y'all'd like oh to God. hear. It's called the Kondiru. And it's a parasitic freshwater catfish, actually, in the family... Trichomastridae. Ah, uh, yes. Trichomastridae. Oh, yes. Which makes sense because there's, a, there's, a, there, what's, there's the STD. It's trick uh, something. They call it trick. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm sure they do call it trick. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's got, probably has something to do with the pee hole. If this thing is from the family trick or something, yeah. and the STD is also called trick or something, the trick probably has something to do with the pee it's, hole anyway. It's like the Birmingham trick or something. It's probably got some name like that, some place name. <laughs> the Indianapolis well, trick. <laughs> it's it's also called the Amazonian toothpick fish and the Amazonian <laughs> vampire fish. Wow. Found, found in Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. But, but here's where... Here's where I have to call Nick's account into question. <clears throat> Although lurid anecdotes of attacks on humans abound, very few cases have been verified, and some alleged traits of the fish have been discredited as myth or superstition. <laughs> okay, Nick. So, for example, swimming up your pee hole. And no, it does. It does that, but it's just not like often. Okay, so <laughs> it's extremely it's extremely rare for this to statistically, happen. Statistically. Would very likely not happen to you if you peed in a river in Ecuador. But it did happen to him. Uh, in short, if one urinates in the Amazon while their genitalia is submerged and exposed, <laughs> the risk is elevated from impossible to improbable. <laughs> That's all I want. That's all I want. I mean, somebody named Silvio said it happened to them, but... Uh, such such leg crossingly horrific tales have haunted the region for leg generations. Leg crossingly. <laughs> I'd I'd like to go ahead and rehabilitate the Condiru. Oh God. Myself. Well, I always you know it's kind of like you always hear urban legends of people getting like ticks in their dicks. 
Um, that allegedly did happen to Joel. That allegedly did happen to somebody we know, but <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. But oh, JB, it does seem maybe like, that's what's hap- maybe that's what's wrong with him now. Well, like I a think severe that, genital version of Lyme disease. I think that it's probably pretty common in folklore for stories of things getting in people's pee holes, specifically men's, because the men, the male pee hole is, I mean, it's pretty big. I knew a guy who could put a battery in his pee hole, for example, uh, but the female pee hole is a little bitty. It's a little little tiny thing. Um, Interesting. I had a recurring nightmare about some Slavic types that uh, had me in a dungeon and stuck coffee stirrer in my pee hole one time. Oh <laughs> I tell you, th- I tell you this. I have to, I have to abandon. I think I have some sort of latent, sort of anti-Slavic thing in the back of my mind. I need purged from me. Could Could you imagine Jacob Dylan telling his dad about the first wet dream he had? Like. Dad, I woke up with something in my underwear this morning. <laughs> Let me see it, son. Pull your pants down. Dear God. <laughs> Let's see. Hey, how does it feel? <laughs> hey, how did it feel? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, I, I, I'm... Whatever phobic of Eastern Europeans is, I'm afraid I'm that because uh, the Vinda Viper tail freaks me out. See, you know the Vinda Viper. Yeah, no. that has origin in Eastern European. It is rooted in anti-Slavic sentiment. I'm afraid. Yes. <laughs> so I just want to. I just want to extend an apology to my Slavic friends and let the healing begin right oh now. <laughs> Well, there are many similarities between Eastern Europe and Appalachia. You know. Eastern Europe, like... No, that's Western. I don't know. My you know, Slovakia. Not Wales. Yeah. Slovenia. Slovenia. The Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah Slovakia is not a thing. I had sorry. a boss <laughs> from Latvia. You're getting you're getting warmer. I think that's more like near Russia. Russia's yeah, kind of pretty much Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you would call it Eurasia, but Eurasia. Hey. Yeah. Hey. That's a lot. Son. <laughs> I need a sweater. BRB. <laughs> Better than in the middle. Me and Cinderella. Do you imagine he's like trying to get his learner's permit? <laughs> <laughs> Dad, they say Sir License Driver over the age of 21's got to be with me at all times. Could you do that for me? <laughs> sure, son, but only if you get two headlights. God help us. Oh wow! Sorry, that was that, that, that my I, mine was really unfunny. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, let me say just because y'all didn't laugh enough, I I have no ironic bigotry toward the Slavic people. <laughs> just so y'all know. Yeah. I kind of feel flat. Tiny's like I don't know if I don't know if I should laugh at that. Or not. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying, Mister Sexton. We appreciate your candor. Yeah. Well, you know. 
I think Tanya froze. I'm she, here. She appears to have. Oh, okay. Am I froze? Okay. Yeah, we see you. Um. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. Here we are. <laughs> According to Terrence, it's May thirteenth. News to me. <laughs> Wait. <there's laughs> um, I don't know about you gals, but um, but it. I, so for maybe like two weeks, I was kind of like on the down, downward trend of feeling really uh, sort of. You know, like, you have that feeling in the back of your mind that I think probably it stems from PTSD or something, that, like, things are about to get really bad. You got this, like, dark pit in your stomach. Um, maybe you call it anxiety or maybe you call it residual PTSD or whatever, but but maybe I feel... Maybe you've given it a name. Maybe maybe you've given it a name called the thousand-year stare. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> well, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was really ch- following me around for a few days, uh, well, weeks really from about late March to, I don't know, about two weeks ago. And then it kind of let up, but it's fully back, uh, after the last few days. I'm not entirely sure why. Black pill nation, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> BPN. You mean your sorrow had plateaued, and now yeah, it's back, yeah, yeah. now it's peaking again? Well, I, I saw a tweet today that was like, it had like a thousand retweets or something, but it was like, um, that realization when you when you realize this isn't just a three-month inconvenience, but the defining moment of your generation, oh and it's like, God. you're just finding this out in May? <laughs> like... That I blew through that about oh, six weeks ago. Oh uh, yeah. Um, you know, not to knock people who haven't come to that realization yet, but um, catch up, people. I'm <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm unique in my sorrow and misery. <laughs> um, but I think that like. If you live in America, maybe this person lived in, like, Canada. It's entirely possible that this person lived in Canada. Because it depends on where you live in the world. I mean, we are all experiencing this in every, like, nook and cranny of the world. This is a global experience, perhaps, possibly, the very first of its kind. A, 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 um, sort of, uh, I don't know, a global shock um, of both economic and biological proportions that the entire world feels. Um, Whereas in the past, you know, just parts of the world probably were affected by various crises. This might be the very first one where every square inch of the planet is affected. Right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Great Depression and World War II was a similar, um, sort of all-encompassing experience. I'm, I'm not sure. But I guess depending on where you live in the world, it's. Different. I'm not sure. I wasn't alive. You're the historian. <laughs> if you don't know, I sure as fuck don't. 
Well, it, anyways, depending on where you live in the world, you're experiencing it differently. And I think Americans are probably, if you were to zoom out to the global level, we and the UK and probably France, Spain, and Italy are probably, we probably look like rabid dogs, just froth. Yeah, coming out of our mouths, wild-eyed and bloodshot. <laughs> like, shit. Yeah, uh, this morning my pillow talk was about uh, China because all this like China talk is so scary of them just like shitting on China every chance they get in the news. <laughs> Trump just being I thought that was going a different direction, Tanya. I was white knuckling. No, that over Trump here. just being like a complete maniac as usual, but. Anyway, we were we were sort of joking that we should probably just learn Chinese, but then which we should we should know I should know more than one language. It's really sad. <laughs> Anywho, we, that's a whole other that's a whole other hour. But um, Magella, I mean, we were I won't get into all that we were joking about. But Magella said anybody with half a brain can look over here into america she meant and tell we're mostly hostages <laughs> we have no loyalty we're we're, ho- we're being held hostage here and i honest to god if now i'm just gonna start as like considering us just a country full of hostages at this point <laughs> I, just, I think it's pretty accurate yeah we're just like it, honestly it made more sense to me than most things i've read or heard in the last six weeks <laughs> The problem is, though, is that it's impossible to convince your fellow Americans that you are in the hostage situation together. Yeah. Uh, like, society is fracturing on so many different fronts, ideologically and geographically and and um, emotionally and spiritually and materially, that it's, I mean, we're... We are truly a nation of 250 million individuals. <laughs> um, Nothing in common. Pretty much. No no shared experiences or values. <laughs> no, there is no social cohesion. No care I mean, like, Tom for was, one another. I mean, like, Tom was texting me the other day, like, uh, about how, like, you know, Y2K was a, a crisis that was on the horizon and was an actual crisis and was averted because of, you know, coordinated response and planning and adjustment for it. Like, that couldn't happen now. There's no like all Like all the boners out there that are like, well, you need to unite as a country. Like, what in the fuck about this country do you think there's like, has the raw materials for some sort of a... America first coalition whatever you know not that we would want that but I'm saying like even under like your ideal circumstances what makes you think that's doable yeah and what about this country is worth uniting around and I guess that was to your point but Jesus well I'm there's the Kentucky Wildcats (laughs) (laughs) which are canceled (laughs) indefinitely we ain't got right now. Which we do not have. Uh. I feel like, though, um, we recorded recently, and I kind of was having, like, a Epstein-like meltdown about the U.S. 
response to this, and 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 it's just incredible. Like no one <laughs> even comes, no one even comes close. I mean, we have eighty. <laughs> 84,000 84,000 deaths I mean the closest is the UK with 33,000 I mean like it's not even close and we we are open for fucking business like what yeah what is what do people say like I think I posted something about it on Twitter and people kept saying like we have 5% of the world's population and like two thirds of its cases or something like that maybe not that many but it is well, yeah, we all. Well, I don't know. We do, no, it probably is because we have 1.4 million cases. That's incredible. No one again. No one even comes close. The closest is what um, Spain with 271 thousand. It's not even remotely fucking close. Florida alone, since they've reopened beaches, people are vacationing right now. Just think about that. Think about. You going through your house right now and packing up for a vacation, (laughs) pulling out your bathing suit and putting it into a mesh bag to carry onto the beach. So many. Then putting on your your Garfield shirt says life's a beach. (laughs) Digging through your medicine cabinet for what? For a half. A half-used bottle of uh, sun oil. I just... <laughs> yeah, some no ad from 1997 that you ain't even made it through yet. No. And, and since they reopened the beach, I think it's been like two weeks, maybe, They Florida has 2,500 new cases. And probably more than that. Yeah, that's honestly. just what they have counted. Every time, and you have to assume, yeah, Terrence, you have to assume that all these numbers that you're rattling off that are already horrifying are very conservative counts. Well, you, did you see where Trump has actually ordered the CDC to, because they're concerned about the numbers getting too high, <laughs> to actually reevaluate all the cases and make sure, <gasps> with a wink and a nod, make sure that they're all. Right, We're, so they'll probably come out and say something batshit insane, like, oh, actually, we the numbers are a lot lower, and then, like, people are just going to be dying just through natural causes for the next six you months. You mean to tell me that with all that needs to be done right now... Oh, I'm sorry, there's a crazy-looking bird outside. Yes, I mean to tell you that. That the CDC is going back and recounting nonsense data yeah that's exactly what i'm saying (laughs) tanya we said something we said something we said right here well not exactly right here probably all together then on february of 2017 right around the time we started this show we said something and it's as true today as it was then institutions cannot save you they will not save you. Our institutions have been gutted. The people doing the gutting, it's to use a, a metaphor, it's like when you go into an old building and steal the copper, which, you know, I've had to do a time to in my day. <laughs> Those are our institutions just rotted from the inside, you know? Well, there was um, <clears throat> an interview today. It was kind of making the rounds of this New York Times reporter. Um, what's this guy's name? Donald G. McNeil Jr. 
Um, and he was talking about it was with Christian Christian Amanpour, you know that show. One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about how like all the measures that nations took way back in like Germany and, and South Korea and China, you know, all the way back in January. You know, I mean, and this is true for countries that, you know, aren't China. Countries that hadn't experienced it within the magnitude that China had at first. South Korea and Germany and some of these other countries. Like how they locked down. They put, you know, created this infrastructure. You know, in China you saw these hospitals just popping up. I mean... We, I mean, we are witnessing the dissolution of a society, and it might not look like it right now, but the political sort of ramifications of everything that's happened in the last few weeks, if I could just count them down a little bit. Um, are we going to do a list? Do we have a top 10 uh, horror <laughs> stories from the okay, past two yeah. weeks? So highest number of cases in the world by a massive margin no one is even close to catching up 1.4 million cases and climbing um you know <laughs> and no and opening maybe <laughs> and opening right no the, right inside. right right we had we have the largest number of cases we have a every few weeks a group of officials or pundits or who god knows who being trotted out on the national media and saying, "No, you need. We, we're gonna need some people to die. If some of you could just step up and die, so we can get this as tribute. As tribute. Like we. So we've had that. We've and and they ha- they can't do this every week. That's why it's a cycle. It it keeps coming back around. If you guys have noticed this, it's hard to kind of get. It's hard to kind of hold your hands onto the spinning merry-go-round right now. But if you can." You'll notice that every few weeks the same cycle repeats itself. And so a cycle that we keep seeing is decrepit guy, in his, white old man in his 70s comes out and says, we need people to die for the economy. And people are like, no fucking way we're not dying for the economy. And they're like, oh, okay, all right. And so they... they <laughs> So they, they, they back, they back, they back, they walk it back. Right. Oh. They just tease it out there a little bit to see if it, to see how well it plays. It's like, uh, like a massive focus group. <laughs> so exactly. So they they'll they'll throw that out there and then they'll go back to the shadows. This is this is all the while um, the early attempts at testing were completely fucking botched. You had the the government. Selectively allocating and distributing equipment, and probably still doing that. Bidding against had, states to hoard supplies, yeah. PPE. Oh yeah, all politically motivated. All politically motivated. So, so take that little bit of information and store it in your back pocket. Um, then we had a two trillion dollar bailout of this of the economy that has mostly, with with in combination with the policies of the Federal Reserve have mostly concentrated more wealth at the top of the system while just throwing a couple dollar bills to us out here. You know, here's $1,200, which is a really funny thing to think about, by the way. Like, how do you think they arrived at the number $1,200? That is a a really interesting... It's almost like they took the minimum wage and they were like, ah, just add two more zeros to it. Like, that's fucking... That's good. (laughs) Here's what I think. 
I think if you look at all the the Canaanite children that were sacrificed to Moloch in the Bible, they number <laughs> 1,200, and that's the number. They, that's <laughs> Just one man's opinion from a reading of the scriptures. <laughs> right, right. So you had that. Um, you have, um, you know, all all this time, the revival of the U.S.-China trade dispute, China, the United States blaming China, the United States government anyways, um, which, you know, who the fuck knows how that's going to p- p- uh, pan out. Um China's economy, China's economy is very much woven into ours, and so it wouldn't benefit them to go to war with us just as much as Don't I guess they it wouldn't benefit just us. Own us? Doesn't China just literally own us at this point? I just don't even understand. Sort well, of. They do have a deed to West Virginia. <laughs> they do hold the deed to West Virginia. And you know what they say: the man who owns the deed to West Virginia. Owns the country. So I'm ready to move yeah. to West Virginia. <laughs> and China owns succeed. China owns a lot of China owns a lot of our government debt, but they are also an export economy, so we buy all their shit. It's a sort of platonic relationship. It's what they call a quid pro quo. And <laughs> <laughs> Italian. So, I mean, <laughs> like look at all of those things. All of those things we've just listed off. And the fact that it's still ongoing, the fact that the the head of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, today released a statement on the same day that the Federal Reserve Chairman, J, uh, Powell, J. Powell, is that his name, also um, made a statement, both of which amounted to, and the IMF's was probably the craziest one, because she was basically like, yeah, so we protract we projected this to be pretty bad of the global economy, but this is far out exceeding even our most dire and bleak projections. Like <laughs> <laughs> sovereign debt around the world <clears throat> is completely collapsing. Um um country emerging market countries, developing countries aren't able to pay debt at the moment. Like everybody is just getting floated money just loans to sort of to sort of like you know as a ship is going through a storm and you're taking on water and men are going overboard ah fucking water ah! <laughs> you gotta fucking <laughs> you gotta make fixes here and there and depending on the shape of your ship maybe you don't have to make some a lot of fixes or whatever but our ship is in, like Tom said, it's been stripped of everything. It is basically like <laughs> no seven billion people riding into a hurricane on a piece of plywood. <laughs> Just like, what the fuck is gonna happen? I think we know what's gonna happen. <laughs> so you have to ask yourself in that situation, do you really think that the world is going back to normal after this? Like the world is like irrevocably marched. At mortgage at least for the next 100 years on this moment I just, this is the moment that will dis- define political realignments and developments and social forces at least for the next 10 or 20 years nah you're probably being conservative that's like, probably going to mark us for time, a generation every time people say this bullshit I'm like what even was normal to begin with what the fuck did you think was normal it, none of it makes any sense 
I'm I feel like I'm actually taking crazy pills. Uh, and so consider all that Terrence has laid out here, and the, also the fact that not one, to my knowledge, not one elected official that didn't already think we needed universal health care has come around to universal health care. Not one. Oh, that's not happening. No way. Well, that's part of the death drive, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like you can't have you can't have a health care uh, like a uh, actual like substantive health care program in a death drive. There are conflicts and terms. <laughs> it's right there in the names. Listen, I, Terrence has turned to earthworms in his greatest moment of need, but I need you all to see what I've turned to. Let's see it. Oh God! What do you what got? I hope it's. Uh, Are y'all ready for this? Yeah, what do you got for us? So, about six weeks ago, I harvested as many violet flowers from the yard I could find. Uh huh. And uh, bottled them up with 90, 190 proof grain alcohol so that I could make what the internet calls tinctures. <laughs> <laughs> And, Go and on. this is what I did yesterday. I put boob stamps on labels and harv- and like made my little tincture bottles. Are those boobs, they look like they're flying through air. Yeah, they're air boobs. Wow. I mean, they're just a boob stamp. I'm going to be honest with you. They look more like those like zany eyeballs that come out of glass. <laughs> that's what I was, that's well, what I was thinking. To each your own. But I'm telling you, this stuff is delicious. Are you are is so is it grain alcohol? Are, are you getting, you getting drunk up? off tinctures? Hell yeah! It's infused with violets. It tastes so good and it soothes your throat. And the whole like all the medicinal purposes are to cure cough. It's for like bronchitis, lung. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you catch a buzz off of it? Uh, I haven't had enough to to buzz off of, but it tastes see, so good. See what the minimum effect of buzz dosage is. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the buzz dosage. I'll, I want you to keep tinking till you cop okay, a buzz. I'll mail you guys a bottle if you want it. It is so good, and it soothes your throat. And I'm convinced that if I get COVID, this is what's going to save me. <laughs> <laughs> also, well, you know, you can't rule it out. I also dried a bunch of the flowers, so I have it in tea form too. I have. I, I also stamp. I used my boob stamps and stamped a bunch of tea bags. So I've been calling calling it tit tea. <laughs> God, what a ham! Huh? We got a comedian over here, everybody. Wow! But you don't think Bob Dylan talking to his son Jacob Dylan about what boobs are is funny? I didn't hear him talk about <laughs> boobs. Listen, son, you're gonna have puberty, and young teenage girls are also gonna have puberty. They're gonna start wearing thongs at the back of their pants. Oh my God! <laughs> Thongs are camp. Well, Dad. You mean... Hey, doesn't doesn't Jacob Dylan have a rapper son named Pablo? (laughs) No. (laughs) Pablo Dylan. I swear I think he does. Three generations of Dylan men. The third generation in a musical dynasty is always ultra fucking chaotic. Like Hank Williams the third. Oh, incredibly chaotic. (laughs) Hank three is the most chaotic individual I've ever been. I'm sorry, it's not Hank Williams the third, it's Hank three. Hank three, baby. (laughs) Hell of the original Hellbilly. 
when I was oh. in college, these kids that slept on my couch sometimes and brought me weed that they grew in their dorm went to a Hank 3 show and they were never the same after that. <laughs> I saw this documentary where they were asking Hank 3 about like, you know, Hank's, the Hank's shit. Like if he had gotten any of it over the years, he was like, he was talking about, yeah, like, he was like, well, yeah, I got like a guitar strap, but Alan Jackson got the rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He's, Hank 3's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Hank Alan 3. Jackson got the If rest. we could get him on this show, that would be a blast. Oh my god. Hank 3, goddammit, come on. Truly. Please. Oh man. We would never be the same after that though. But but okay, so but back to the uh to the topic at hand. If there even is one. I don't even know <laughs> if there is a topic. There's no through line here. <laughs> um the the only through line I guess that I can uh, can tease out is I don't know. It's just that things are. Uh, there's no through line. You're right. You're right. <laughs> these are the. These are. Uh, I was trying to do a. Uh, if I could compare sort of a political era to Hank Three, what it would be like. Well. <clears throat> So I mean, it's interesting you you bring, you mentioned Medicare for all, um, you know, and it's interesting to think back about on on Bernie and who, what we were saying and doing, just Bernie, Bernie. just six to eight weeks <laughs> who, ago. Who's that? Who do you, I don't <laughs> know her. Exactly, Bernie. I mean, things have qualitatively shifted so fast that I saw this op-ed in the. New York Times today, and I sent it to you guys. That no. reading it, that like today? I felt, yeah, it, it came out today, and reading it made me feel like on uh, like I, I I had been living on another planet or something. It made me feel like gazing down on Earth from Mars or something through a fucking time portal. It just felt like so far removed from any of my concerns at the moment and like what I'm thinking about. That it just it's just really bizarre. And so the op ed I'm talking about is Oh, they changed the headline of this. Fascinating. Uh, um, yeah. Was it was it nicer than this beforehand? It was originally Will Young leftists support Biden. Now it's these young socialists think they have courage. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's like the editor said that one nah, that headline's a little too pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they cut Biden out of it completely. I've I've got yeah. a fucking paywall up or something. These fucking bastards. They just want my email, sons of bitches. We'll get, jokes open on it you, in um, cunt. You already have it. Open it in private. Yeah, Incognito. In private. Or just sit there and fiddle with it and refresh and hit stop real quick. Dude, that is really they really did go for the jugular there with starting out with Will young leftists support Biden? To these young socialists, think they have courage. They, they don't. don't. These, <laughs> they're fucking pussies. They took these Biden completely out of the equation and popped Bernie's name in here <laughs> to invoke rage. Yes, it says many disappointed fans of Bernie Sanders would prefer a quixotic dis- display of principle. I don't even know what that means. Um. 
chaotic as in, you know. Don Quixote. Like Don Quixote. <laughs> the man from La Mancha. That's literally what they're saying. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, what they're saying is that like sort of Don Quixote, um, they means that we're, he means that we're excessively sort of like idealistic. That we have this sort of like uninformed analysis of the world around us that we are he's telling us to grow up right that we yes that we are so wedded to these principles that we're so idealistic and not based in reality that yes you're exactly right tom that we need to grow up (laughs) who wrote this we're so immature some guy his name is mitchell abidor uh, um and um I think he's kind of a big deal, apparently. Wait, it says he's know. an anarchist. I don't believe this. He's the editor he's, and translator no, he, of Down with the Law. What? Wow. Anarchist no, yeah, yeah, individualist right. writings from early 20th century France. He he translated that. It doesn't mean he himself is. <laughs> he's a translator. Victor Serge is who he translated, but... Um, but uh, anyways, that but what he's saying is essentially yes. We, we need to grow up. We're not based in reality, etc. And he looks. I mean, he's pretty old. Apparently, he look, like like not that that really matters because it really doesn't. Um, I was gonna make an idle threat to whoop his ass, but I guess I'll pull back. <laughs> I just like to do that from time to time. All right, you want to read this? It's kind of funny. Let's read it. The progressive magazine The Nation published an open letter last month in which former members of the radical 1960s organization Students for a Democratic Society pleaded with the younger generation of leftists to, to support Joe Biden for president. Wait, the really? Letter titled, SDS? Yeah, did you... Endorse yeah, Biden? We, they basically told... No, I think it was people who were involved in SDS <clears> and they wrote a letter. Like, most of them are like hedge fund managers and shit (laughs) oh jesus fucking christ you cannot make this stuff up this is truly what the fuck is happening um i'll tell you i'll tell you what's happening um i think i have an idea of what's happening no you don't please you don't have an idea More tinctures, please. More tit tinks. Look, I put 420 on this bottle because it mostly cooked during 420, the worst month in human history. God damn it. Um, The letter titled to the new new left from the old new left warned that the reelection of Donald President Trump would jeopardize the very existence of American democracy. The signatories expressed fear that some supporters of Bernie Sanders, including members of the Democratic Socialists of America, would refuse to support Mr. Biden because they consider him a representative of Wall Street capital, and therefore, in essentially respect, in essential respects, not fundamentally better than Mr. Trump. The letter was fair and sensible in its reasoning and right-minded in its conclusion. Given that the difference of a few thousand votes in states such as Michigan and Wisconsin might allow Mr. Trump to win a second term... A quixotic display, quixotic, quixotic display of socialist <laughs> principle in the 2020 election could have disastrous repercussions for the nation and the world. That's right. You are world important. You may singularly be responsible for making the world, the entire world, a much worse place if you do not vote for Joseph R. Biden. 
Just something to keep in mind, folks. They really are not going to... Wow. <laughs> wow. Plausible, but I'm not persuaded. Well, it is a pretty funny um, sort of irony that they keep telling us we're the me generation while constantly telling us that we are ultimately this the deciding factor of every world development <laughs> yeah we literally it's really it? what it is uh, what it is is them washing their hands and putting it on us is what it is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so chaotic um unfortunately the letter's fears were well founded the democratic socialists of america had already declined to back mr biden it has been joined in that refusal by jacobin magazine an influential publication <laughs> among young leftists. Um, to followers of leftist politics, the argument was all too familiar. The two major parties are merely the right and left wings of the capitalist system. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Really? <laughs> we, uh... we came up with this idea. Did you know this? Didn't you know that we came up with this idea? Um, it is worth noting that this was also the position of most members of the new left during the 1968 presidential election. Back then, radical young leftists either refused to vote or supported the candidates of the Peace and Freedom Party, uh, the, Peace, the Freedom and Peace Party, and even the Yippies, the Youth International Party, who encouraged people to vote for a pig named Pegasus. Anyone or anything was preferable to President Richard Nixon, except, of course, the Democratic Party's nominee, Hubert Humphrey. Okay, so like, let's 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 take a minute here. Let's let's take a minute here. What's let's just consider how the the course of history could have been altered had we elected Hubert Humphrey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's 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 take a minute here and like look at the differences. That was 1968. This is 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, in which we have the highest number of people dead of any country, in which none of the problems of poverty and exploitation uh, from the 2008 crash have been resolved or even remotely addressed. <laughs> Open wounds. Right. A society that is fracturing at a scale and speed that was probably in pro, not probably not inconceivable in 1968 1968 was a crazy fucking year let's not forget it was in it was a bad shit year <laughs> it, was it was insane very fucking insane <laughs> um but there was still there was still in the midst of all of those things that were happening a shared sort of consensus even though that consensus was up for question. I mean, you had people like George Wallace running for fucking president. I mean, you know, you had segregation, formal segregation, legal segregation ending in a lot of places and Roe v. Wade and, and you know, the pill, all, you know, all these movements, feminist movements, um, gays and lesbians and, uh, you know, et cetera. <laughs> you had the rise of gays and lesbians. <laughs> this was, uh, this was. Still, though, it was all sort of um, on the sort of same shared consensus that America, 
was still a sort of like land of prosperity. We were waging a war on poverty. That's how rich and wealthy we are. We were. That's how much wealth was being pushed back into the system. I mean, there was still inequality. Don't get me wrong. There was still massive poverty. That's why there was a war on poverty. But you know, there was enough surplus to where it could be reinvested into social welfare programs. Right. And there was this sort of political will to do it, the consensus to do it. Uh, now, the, that's not even, no one is even remotely talking about that. The last person to, to mention it was Bernie. And, you know, we saw what happened there. And uh, so we've made our choice, right? We're going to more austerity. We are, we're going to more austerity. So, like, in that light, does it really matter that much who the next president is? I mean, really, really. I'm not saying don't vote for Biden or whatever, but does it really matter? Yeah, no, it doesn't. No, you, you don't have to per- persuade me. I mean, can't I just, I mean, the only grain of hope I have in any of this is that we're done with presidencies and we're voting this over and it's never, it's not happening anymore. So you're saying, like, if Trump cancels the election? It's just. I mean, I guess that's one option for that, but I was thinking more like people just, I mean, people are going to the beach. I guess they'll go vote. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just hoping for, I mean, I'm ready to just hit the red button and it'd be full fucking total chaos because this is basically full total chaos. You say that, Tanya. You say that. <laughs> Do you mean it? We'll see. I got a tub full of water. I'm ready for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting times, though, like in 1968 when homosexuality made its debut. <laughs> God, this article uh, doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> it does. No, it doesn't. No, homosexuality doesn't. came on the scene for the first time in human history <laughs> oh and nothing was ever the same <laughs> I was talking about in political form I know I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> political gayness Tom oh, oh man well uh, let's see you want me to keep going here why not um this is not the only historical echo in today's dispute about s- support for Mr. Biden. In the early 1960s, Students for a Democratic Society, too, found itself in a generational standoff. At that point, the group was the youth branch of the League for Industrial Democracy, which had an older membership and was social democratic. It didn't take long for tensions to mount between the two organizations, etc., cetera, et cetera. In October 1963, members of SDS met with the editors of Dissent Magazine... Dissent's been around that long? Yeah. Damn. Um, most prominently Irving Howe to see whether, despite their differences, the two generations of leftists could make common cause. The meeting did not go well. The major <laughs> sticking point then, as now, was how to view liberal democracy. The members of SDS argued against representative democracy in favor of what they called participatory democracy. To Mr. Howe, their ideas sounded too much like the fecklessness of our youth when Stalinists and even a few socialists used to put mere, put down mere bourgeois democracy. 
Mr. Howe would later express regret about the way the meeting played out, bemoaning his know-it-all tone. One of the SDS members, um, blah, blah, blah. It is a quirk of history that the young radicals of that time are the pragmatic elders of today. Several members of SDS who attended the fateful meeting in 1963 signed the open letter last month in The Nation. The respectful and diplomatic tone of their letter shows that they learned from the mistakes of Mr. Hal and his colleagues. But tone can accomplish only so much. A younger generation, sure of its righteousness, is seldom willing to heed the advice of elders. And righteousness... <laughs> and righteousness is not too strong a word. Like, the funny thing about this is that it... It seems to indicate that with age, you gain wisdom. False. And that our, our problem is that we are just too young and idealistic. But the thing that they're not, that he's not ca- taking into account here, is that I'm 32. Like, we are in our 30s and 40s at this point. Like, we're not really young anymore. I mean, like, we're young, but we're not like... You were way different in your early 20s. You know, you're much more idealistic, and um, that's who these SDS kids were at that time that he's talking about. They were students. They were 19 and 20 years old. They were literally students, right? Right. For a democratic society, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's also... The whole, like, get-off-my-lawn shit is so funny to me because, like, like... you either have blowhards like this guy, or you have people uh, sending you links trying to convince you that uh, some compound in Coke Zero causes uh, homosexuality. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, respect your elders, whatever, whatever, but there's a lot of fucking dumb old people. <laughs> All right, let me just, let's just go ahead and clear the air there. <laughs> Our elders want us dead. <laughs> There's a lot of brilliant, wise old people. There's a lot of fucking dumbasses. <laughs> a lot of cu- lot of dumbasses in that uh, 50 to 85 cohort. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, no, we're, we're, we are adults at this point. Like, we are ki- people in our 30s and 40s who, by the time this generation was in their 30s and 40s, could afford a house, didn't have student debt, you know, didn't have a lot more wind at their de- back. Yeah. What's that? I said a lot more wind at their back. Exactly. Yeah, that's that, they don't want to be honest and candid the, about that. The, the material forces that shaped them and ushered them into the economy are incredibly different than those that shaped us and pushed us into the economy. Did you say they're head, half of them are hedge funds <laughs> managers now? I think one of them was. One of them was like a healthcare. Um, Jesus probably executive or some shit like no the people who signed that sds letter were not exactly i mean i don't fucking know though i mean don't take it from me i don't know the class composition of of them as a whole they're still wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy this is no matter how you slice this is also written in the middle of a pandemic like these the people he's talking about that are selfish are literally either unemployed right now most of which are unemployed or essential workers. This is bananas. Well, it's bizarre because he accuses us of being sort of idealistic, <clears throat> which would imply a loose grasp on reality. <laughs> 
when it's very <laughs> obvious that they are the ones who have no fucking clue what is happening. Just the most tenuous grasp on reality at this point. <laughs> no, it's true. We're just calling it like we see it. And these motherfuckers think that just this is just something that yeah. you can just like a couple of tweaks here and there and we'll be back to well, normal. Well, this is what they can't accept. This is really what just they 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 cannot understand. None of us, or some of us are saying this, but I think the vast majority, if I had to really guess, the vast majority of left socialists who either did or did not come out of Bernie or who were at least tangentially affected by it, whatever, have adopted the position that it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you know, again, if you live in a swing state and you're voting for Biden, whatever. It's the same shit that you did in 2016. It's the same shit that all radical leftists have done for the past... 30 or 40 fucking years, it doesn't really fucking matter. Like, we're not a substantial enough political block to shape that in any way. And the, and again, they have proven, if if even, even more this year than in 2016, that their targeted demographic is sort of moderate, white-collar, um, upper-middle-class, petty-bouge, uh, etc., people in suburbs... The wine moms, the never Trumpers, etc. That's who they're going yeah. for, and so it. Although this does kind of um, peel back the onion a little bit, because I feel like one of my biggest, like one of the biggest mysteries of all this is that. I mean, we know the Dems are a fucking death cult, but it's just been so hard for me to understand how they don't see that we're the only possibility of a future Democratic Party. You know what I mean? Like, they're just giving... It's like they're just throwing their own party to the fucking wolves. And this... This kind of peels the onion back to the point where they they think we just need a little more time in the pot to cook. (laughs) You know? Here's what I I think it is. I think what it is is them passing off their culpability for the plate they they left set for us. Like these people are going to their graves, and they don't want to go to their graves thinking that they actually set the conditions for the biggest catastrophic sort of meltdown in the history of rich countries. And that's exactly what they're going to do. And what we need to do is that, like, let come what may, but these people need to be disgraced all the way to the grave. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, to put it lightly, I mean, that's that's... <laughs> Yeah. In fact, well, I mean, but even 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 if when you say Tom, when you say to get off the hook, are you referring to the writers of the SDS letter? Or are you referring to just that kind of boomer generation at large? Well, I mean, kind of both in a way. I mean, just I mean those that you know sort of abandoned the radicalism of their youth for something more practical and put us all on the hook. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Well, we're also just, you know, for. I mean, it's just a pretty bizarre outlook that people, even twenty year old, twenty years older than us, are looking at a very different end of life than we are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like they're gonna. I fully ex- <laughs> expect the rest of my life to mostly be pain and misery. It's yeah, not like we we don't. <laughs> to die peacefully i mean i don't know i don't know what a peaceful death in america is we're not very good to our dying populations but even so like ours is going to be just wrecked with 
plague and climate torture is what we're about to Here's experience. What if I'm looking at my own crystal ball, I'm probably going to die broke and penniless in France trying to escape my debtors. <laughs> my creditors, rather. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, I mean, it's 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 very it's very it's very interesting because basically what we're saying is that even considering those all those things, even considering the the future of ours that has essentially been mortgaged to capital, yeah, we we have no future essentially. Our generation and and pretty much every subsequent generation, um, as it stands today. as it stands today, anyways. Because of that, uh, we are in light of that. We are still saying that it doesn't really fucking matter who wins this year. And I'm not saying that like in this like idealistic or whatever, as he says it, like the Democrats and Republicans, they're all the same, man. Like, they're it's just it's just two parties of the capitalist system. Two sides <laughs> of the same coin. Maybe. What I'm saying is that the country seems to be unraveling socially. And spiraling economically. And in that situation, do you really think Trump, on the one hand, is going to uh, make that any better or worse, or Biden, on the other hand, is going to make that any better or worse? It is, um, at this point, it's just, it, it's just the window dressing on the fucking windows we've built on the side of the plywood boat we've sailed into the hurricane it's it doesn't like the numbers back it up this this country is unraveling whether it happens in 10 years or 40 years we've allowed almost a hundred thousand people to die from this disease in two months which no <laughs> two months, no two months. no other country has even come close and so you have to ask yourself do, do, was voting for Biden really going to alter the fact that this is this, this is what happens now? That this is what is it occurring now? And I guess you could say, well, it's because there's a Republican in the White House, and basically, um, you know, if you had a Democrat in there, a competent administrator, Please. but even that doesn't fucking work because Biden can't fucking think. He's not competent, it, so how can he be a competent administrator? Even if you take this maniac at his word, his only climate stance is to rejoin the fucking Paris Accord or some garbage. It's just, it's <laughs> right. It's laughable. It's there's no. It's, I mean, it, it's. I think that they try to engage with this because Bernie was in it, but what they don't realize is that Bernie, for many of us, was not the savior who was going to uh, make everything better. He was, was the just, compromise. He was, yes, just kicking the can a little bit further down the road, buying us some time. Just trying to he stay He was off. our compromise, yeah, and they weren't having yeah, so it. So, like, this is, right. So, like, what they, what they, what these people don't understand is that we, it, do, it just ultimately, the the space that this election holds in our minds as some sort of vehicle or agent of making the, this better does not exist because the way that we see the world is different from the way that the 1960s leftists saw the world. The 1960s leftists thought you could bring a revolution into existence 
through your own willpower and hard work and determination and theory and praxis. Our generation is saying, no, we can't do that. We're not trying to do that. We're tr- what we're trying to do is show you that the, the world around you is falling apart. And we can take it, you know, we can exploit that situation. We could take advantage of it, or we could be crushed by it. But that's that's how history's made. You respond to social forces. You don't make your own, and that's what yeah. our generation is saying. And that's why we're not fucking idealistic. <laughs> like we're not out there saying like we're going to do a revolution tomorrow, man. It's coming. It's coming, man. No, <laughs> it's coming, man. man it's, I wanna. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jay could be right there with you. The times are changing, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're we are holding up what we know to be our analysis to the world, and that's that's the conclusion we've come with. It's that, but I don't know the idea that we're these like idealistic like um ultras who you know de- do who demands moral purity and and philosophical it's no if you want to vote for biden fucking vote for him. it again it doesn't matter that's the tone you have to if take if you feel compelled to vote go I mean, do yeah, it but whatever. it doesn't matter i mean I, I will probably go vote that day because someone will probably be running in a local race i want to vote in will i vote for biden i have no fucking clue but again it literally doesn't matter. <laughs> well, for, for one, I, you know, it's I'm duty bound to go risk life and limb to vote for Rocky Yunkara. <laughs> or wait, who is it? Rocky who? Rocky. De La Fuente. De La Fuente. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I have a colleague named named the other. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, I'll probably vote for him too. Wait, let's finish this. There's some good. There's some good nuggets at the end. I think. <clears throat> Righteousness is not too strong a word. <laughs> Maintaining doc- doctrinal purity is a big reason many leftists are refusing to endorse Mr. Biden. <laughs> Again, wait, wait, what's the reason that we're refusing to endorse Mr. Biden? Maintaining doctrinal purity. Again, the word endorse there is the tell. What they mean is we've refused to virtue signal to our friends. Again, they, they see this all as a virtue signal. He thinks that this is a virtue signal. Because what, right. it, what he means by endorse is that's how they view politics. People vote for who they think is cool. People, like, cool people. If you, if you see Bob Dylan, like, hey, go vote for Joe Biden. Everybody's going to be like, hey, he's endorsed hey, Joe man, Biden. Hey, man, he's all right with Bob. He's all right with me. Right. But none of that matters. None of it fucking matters. Right. Endorsements don't fucking matter. <laughs> uh, To that point, too, can we talk just briefly about how they wanted to do the hologram in the Grand Canyon, like (laughs) Travis Scott? (laughs) Travis Scott, very cool, okay? Makes a lot of good songs, okay? (laughs) Joe Biden, there's absolutely nothing cool about Joe Biden whatsoever. No. (laughs) When you try to foist uncool people into cool sort of spectacles... You don't get those results. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bernie was cool precisely because he's not cool. So that's why, like, when Bernie did shit with, like, the Strokes or Chuck D or Public Enemy, that had some cultural cachet because it's like, it kind of works because it's so uncool. Right, right. But this Biden thing is just... Uh. Um, 
Uh, so another Jacobin article argued that having the DSA support a lesser evil candidate would have major ramifications for dot 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 the Democratic Socialists of America. Again, so again, he sees this as a virtue signal. Are those the ramifications that American socialists should be worrying about? Jacobin and its readers and members of the DSA are largely white, largely college, educated, largely American citizens. True, you know, not disputing any of that. Um, but if Trump is, Mr. Trump is reelected, but, but again, I just need to point out that that's not the left. The DSA and Jacobin is not the left. It's not the left. If, whatever yeah. you want to qualify as the left, and I still maintain that it doesn't really exist, it includes a broad swath of a lot of people not who just aren't those two outfits yes, yeah. <laughs> who aren't just those two outfits and who aren't white but again it's the brony bro thing it's like you know all the leftists are white you know bros uh yeah. college educated etc um if mr trump is reelected they could spend the next four years suffering little more than the pangs of political outrage but millions of less fortunate people would suffer real consequences this is a really funny um thing for me like, the millions of less fortunate people. Because, like, on one hand, this guy seems to acknowledge that there's a lesser evil thing at work here. But they have they have valued lives in the exact same way that Republicans have. Because in their mind, it's a schematic. It's like, okay, in the, in the lesser evilism calculus, it's like, oh, okay, only 2 million people will die under Biden, whereas maybe 3 million will die under Trump. So, like... That's a victory. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a victory for sabermetrics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, taking a principled stand is courageous only when those taking it put themselves at risk. Pla- placing others at risk <laughs> requires no color courage at all. <laughs> well, hold on, a second, hold on a second. Here's the here's the great here's the here's the thing I want to say about that. You're talking about. Talking about a guy that actively encouraged the people to go to the polls in a pandemic, you're making a case about courage and putting people in danger when you're caping for the guy that said, no, actually, it's safe to go to the polls. <laughs> it's just, there's just no sort of, this like it's not based in any sort of reality or objective truth about anything. No, no, no. No, not at all. Well, and, and, and again, none of that matters to them because they're they're right wingers now i mean they wouldn't admit it they're liberals they're good liberals progressives who have done the mental calculus to where they put their big boy pants on they've decided two million deaths is more acceptable than three million deaths um we won't hey i won't stand for three million (laughs) i won't stand for it well and and i could see them responding to this and being like well Two million deaths is literally better than three million deaths, and those million deaths are on your hands. Again, you're imparting way too much fucking agency to a political force that is... <laughs> to, to, to a magazine with a modest subscription base and, a, and an organization with about forty or 50,000 members. <laughs> exactly. It's just like... <laughs> it's really phenomenal. I mean, it's really phenomenal. Um, as Mr. Howe wrote in a 1965 article on the New Left that applies to many on the left today, there is, quote, an inclination to make of their radicalism not a politics of common action, which would require the inclusion of saints, sinners, and ordinary folk, but rather a gesture of moral rectitude, end quote. <laughs> Again, 
I mean, I you know, I don't really know what to say about that. It's just like the 1960s left was um in many ways uh you know came out of the civil rights movement and about in and out of the opposition to the Vietnam War um what happens to you though you know what i mean like for all those those accomplishments and it's like the biggest accomplishments in like I mean, they just like I mean, they just echo out. But like, what what happens to you that like you lose that? Well, this like is there just something about you that makes you more conservative as you get older? Like, yeah. how do you go from the civil rights movement and everything that came out of that to like this kind of? Well, shit? T- there's a few. Uh, there's a. Few <laughs> it's a big question, but I think one answer is the system brings you into itself. I mean, through home ownership and through these other um, sort of vehicles for ownership in the economy, for building equity, and that was not available to our generation. And and this is the this is the thing about Bernie. Um, the Bernie thing grew out of the fact that in two thousand eight, again, this, and and even some leftists have made this mistake attributing the left's rise currently to Bernie, when in all yeah. reality it is reverse. Because social forces only, um, you know, make history, and humans act on them. It's a sort of, like, dialectic between the two. But, right. like... It, it's more the case Bernie saw the conditions arising, not that he created them himself. Yeah, and what that, and what that grew out of was an entire generation of people, us, coming out of 2008 with the realization that we would be fighting over a smaller piece of the pie. And, yeah. you know, and... and that wasn't the case 30 or 40 years ago. You know, I mean, like the, the Generation X right before us, that was not the case with them. They did not have that realization, um, you know, so poignantly delivered to them in such a stark manner. They weren't tied to a system of debt peonage and shit that we are. And yeah. all the generations before us... They were are, too busy listening to the Jim Blossoms. <laughs> and Jacob Dylan in the Wallflowers. <laughs> little joke there. little joke there, Gen Xers. Right. But again, I mean, that, that's, that's not to say that there wasn't a left in that generation. It's just that social forces bring into existence, um, you know, I'm sorry, these economic restructurings and shifts bring into existence these social forces. And so... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that those activists from the 60s would sort of defect to the world of just sort of um, passive liberalism. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. they had more buy-in the system, buy-in to the system. Um, but also, yeah. though, you have to also take into account that after the 1960s, the everyday workings of politics became vir- virtually... Uh, you know, question of virtue, you know, like yeah. how, how virtuous you were, what, you know, correct words, string of words you say and et cetera, et cetera. Um, right. right. Which they love that shit. I mean, um, yeah. Anyways, the Demo- it, it, this is the last paragraph here. The Democratic Socialists of America and Jacobin claim to be laying a path to socialism, but it is worth bearing in mind George Orwell's definition of socialism as justice and common decency. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> like, again, 
the notion that leftists our age ask any leftists our age what they think of George Orwell and they will tell you either rat fuck scab you know what I mean like yeah I loved War of the Worlds (laughs) oh fuck I'm back it's a little joke there you know H.G. Wells or something yeah I got you (laughs) welcome back Tanya sorry you lost your battery power and I've been having George a lot of good Orwell. jokes while you've been gone, Tanya. No, I I was listening. I just couldn't talk. I wasn't being recorded. I heard. I've been doing a lot of good ones. Well, um, really hilarious, though. In pursuing its vision of the former, the new new left has forsaken the latter. <laughs> the new new. We have forsaken the the pursuit of justice and common decency. <laughs> Is that the most liberal definition of socialism you've ever heard? That might be the most liberal definition of socialism I've ever heard. The pursuit of li- common decency yeah. and justice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little, a little more going on than that. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my God, man. I mean... And this guy, tran- this guy translated to... Uh, who'd you say translated? Victor Surge. Serge Ibaka. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyways, in conclusion, these fucking assholes have no idea what it's like to grow. Just it's like we don't. We probably don't understand what it's like to grow up in their world and what they had to face. But to be honest, like the way things are fucking heading, I mean. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm only in my early 30s. I've I've lived less life than them, and I would like to keep living. And so I feel like I kind of have a better grasp on the world as a result of that, seeing as how I'm trying to daily fucking survive. I'm daily trying to triangulate how to survive, and that means having an accurate read of the world around me. Whereas they are fucking comfortable as shit telling us to vote for Joe Biden. Again, do whatever you fucking want. But and too too stupid to see that's gone. Yeah, oh yeah, too stupid to realize that that ship is fucking sailed. Just like the ship for Medicare for all has probably sailed. Like sailed right into the hurricane. This is Green New Deal probably fucking sailed. I mean, I could be wrong, but it just feels like politics had a specific trajectory it could have gone up until a few weeks ago and then several things happened bernie dropped out the united states spiraled into the worst biological pandemic it's ever seen maybe um you know this other series of events it doesn't seem like anything we can do at the but presidential you, level you see how matter you see how hardened like politicians have gotten just like you know where they used to just like lie to you and play the game like the Joe Kennedy dude in Louisiana said, well, people in hell want ice water too. <laughs> I did like, could see you that. imagine? Could you imagine saying something like that 10 years ago? Like, while wow, there's so much suffering and misery going on? <laughs> saying it in the middle of a fucking pandemic? <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine that? Like, he, like, this motherfucker needs to be dismembered. Like, he doesn't need to be murdered or oh, killed. Yeah. He needs to be dismembered. Nancy Pelosi eating fucking ice cream. I love that fucking picture of her eating an ice cream bar in her kitchen. Yeah. Fucking Hillary Clinton. We're, We're all in this together. the healthcare exchanges. 
The fucking healthcare. Yeah, see, the solutions. These are your heroes. These are the people that you think that are going to steer you back to what you had in 2019. Well, and and, but to take it even further, us saying that does not imply that we have any kind of control over that. Like again, I mean. No, but we're just calling it. Exactly. I mean, we're just calling it like you said. Exactly. Yeah. We have no fucking control over any of this. This was all set into motion. Well, I mean... Before we even were conceived of. <laughs> On that one day, the comptroller didn't show up in New York City. <laughs> oh Back in the seventies. I mean, honestly, Tom, that is... Um, That's true. That is, yes, no, that is a leading contender for world historical important events that shape the world we live in now. Um, Do you think there's going to be something, something like that in this age? That like some like seemingly innocuous thing that actually holds like outsized importance for what happens going forward. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Every day, I mean, I mean, I read the Financial Times and all this stuff, and every day you just, I mean, you read just the craziest. Just the craziest things going on in the inner workings of the global financial system. Um, I think, personally, I think the price of oil going beneath zero was... (laughs) (laughs) I still don't even know how that's possible. uh, In yard sale terms, this is amazing to me. Well, Well, my cousin Ryan said... Yeah, they're going to start paying you $2.38 to come take a barrel. <laughs> to come fill up your tank. <laughs> I think that will resu- I think that will be one of the things that people look back on and be like, "Yeah, I kind of got away from us a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> I got away from us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but even- well, what's what's the hopeful refrain we can end down here? Um, well, I was going to take us there that no matter how bleak it gets, we can always rely on the New York Times for content. <laughs> it's a it's an ever churning source of just delicious content. It's never the fact bad. That the change of that title alone tells such a story. It's just incredible. My bit of it's- hope. <laughs> my bit of hope is purely a matter of perspective and analytical uh sort of lens i mean i feel you know and and i'm not the only person probably who feels this way but um i've been reading a lot of marks i've been doing a lot of gardening and i've been um reading a lot of financial economic News, because I want to put myself in the seat of someone who's watching the world sort of evolve, or it's not evolving, it's every day things are being destroyed and created right in front of our eyes. Like, we are witnessing the full sort of capacity and totality of capitalism, a form of capitalism we've never seen in our lifetimes. And it's really fascinating to watch. It's like watching a supernova or something. It's, it's, it, it is a celestial exper- experience that is really fascinating to watch. And that's the hope, is that you have to be able to look at the world and try to understand what's happening, because it's not easy. It is not easy. And if I could just plug my man, Marx, seriously, <laughs> the whole point of Marx is... 
looking at the world and and trying to find out what's going on beneath the illusion in front of you. In capitalist yeah. society, all the social relations and, and workings of the system you see in front of you are an illusion, and they have to be peeled back and looked at what is going on beneath the curtain. Marx says that himself. You know, now let's lift up the curtain and see what lies behind here. And, that's, and that is it. Had a little flair for the dramatic. He did, know. he did. And, and again, I mean, he had a flair for, um, you know, we mentioned before we started this, talking about horror stories. Capital is a fucking horror story. It's all about it is a ghosts. It is, it is, this is an American horror it story. It really is. It is, a, it is about the fucking phantoms and, like, metaphysical uh, beings that are created in a capitalist system. When money meets a commodity, when a worker meets the means of production, and what that, and what that creates. I mean, it creates this this dysphoric sort of disorienting effect, and you have to be able to examine what's going on, and that to me is the is the hope because I don't we're not changing anything unless 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 there is because I saw earlier today that a militia is trying to like overthrow the government of Michigan tomorrow. Um, okay. What? So. <laughs> Yeah. What? That's juicy. Not, not. I'm guessing not of our variety. No, a right wing militia. Um, okay. Like bad, that's bad people on both sides, Tom. I bad think that on that's, both sides. You know, that's, it, that's, it would it also would not surprise me in the least if we saw a bunch of fucking weekend warriors statin popping fucking <laughs> boomer dads with big guns <laughs> carry out the governor of Michigan tomorrow either. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise oh. me at all. Not in the least. No, I'm telling you, we're going to... No. S- the price listen, of oil went below the zero, the ghosts, man. the phantoms. Anything, yes, exactly. <laughs> this this is the metaphysical... There, there's, there's something metaphysical going on, too. But they've it's, announced it. They've announced that they're overthrowing the Michigan government tomorrow. They, like, set a date for it. Yeah, no, well, they were talking about it. Yeah, they, they did. And the governor, wow. as a result, the governor wanted to ban all firearms in the state capitol and like the republican supreme court there said like they like, they were going to look at into it they were going to talk discuss it and consider it <laughs> let's just see how tomorrow goes first <laughs> see how things shake out i mean this is the new politics this is the new politics this is and and again you have to fucking buckle up and get ready because it's it's gonna get intense it really will it's gonna get inside i mean like if we're talking about right-wing militias trying to topple governor's uh, mansions, trying to topple go- state governments. If we're talking about the price of commo- the prices of commodities just whipsawing back and forth <laughs> fucking every day like like a hose just fucking turn on full blast. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about who gets eaten in this, like business whether it's small businesses, medium-sized businesses or banks or whatever. If we're talking about what the government is doing to stave off that catastrophe, I mean, and if we're talking about climate politics, then you, then we, we need a new politics. Our, our generation is not saying don't vote for Biden, whatever. Our generation is saying the world is going to be qualitatively different in 10 years, and you better buckle the fuck up and read up because it is... That, that is imperative to understanding what's happening. I mean, because, again, I remember after 2008, this is, I was radicalized after 2008. I mean, I'm sure both of you probably were too. I remember after 2008 was when I got into politics and when I started to get into radical politics because I was looking at the world and asking, 
what the fuck is going on? And I mean, Tom have joked about this, the Zeitgeist movies. Like, there was, like, they talked about fiat currency and all this. Added uh, some sort of, uh, you know, they added, they added this dimension to the world that something else was happening that you couldn't see. And again... Did... Do we owe an apology to the Zeitgeist guy? No. Uh, <laughs> as we established on our thousand-year stare, that eventually went in the anti-Semitic direction. <laughs> oh, okay. I, did, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But re- it's, regardless. You always, when, somebody, when somebody starts calling into question the bankers, it's going to go one of two that's ways. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but anyways, regardless, this is the moment when people look around and, and ask, why is this happening? And... Um, and so, in that sense, I, I'm not a, I'm not black pilled at all. In that sense, it's like this is pretty. This is an opportunity to to relate our ideas to people who are going to be looking for answers. Because if you have right wing militia members overthrowing state governments, people are going to be asking, well, "Why the fuck's that going on?" And we go, well, we need answers for that. Glad you asked. <laughs> <clears throat> well. Well, anyways, I'm, I mean, um, I guess if I could leave a, a last message to our buddy Mitchell Ab- Abador, you don't understand this. You never will. I mean, you might, but you definitely don't right now. Um, we're on a different level, bro. We've taken a different path. <laughs> we're some bad dudes. We're some gals bad dudes. Non-binary pals. <laughs> God. Well, is that good? You guys want to sign off? Is that a good way to? Yeah, let's put a bow on that. We got to get on another. Yeah, one I need a break. Minutes. We get it. I need to pee real quick before we. Do. Thanks for tuning in. This we go to the Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com slash True Billy Workers Party, and give your wallflower bucks to us. Don't go out and buy that album from the Wallflowers. Go spend it on the True Billy Patreon. <laughs> I think they've made quite enough already. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Go to Patreon. Thanks for joining. See you later. Bye.